And uh, we want to take some time to look in God's Word and to tell, uh, to find out about Jesus being the light of the world and what the Bible says upon him, says about him. So grab your Bibles, and as you grab your Bibles, I'm going to walk up here to the pulpit, and uh, we're going to look together to see what God has for us in his Word. Um, I've kind of come to enjoy... Uh, a group of Christians that um, are helping us to understand the, the Word of God better. And uh, the group is called The Bible Project, and they put together all sorts of videos. You can check them out online. All sorts of tools that will help us understand God's Word better. Well, they have a, a sentence that they continue to... Um, repeat as they're doing their videos, and that is that they believe that the Bible is the unified story that leads to Jesus. That everything that we read in the Bible from the beginning in the Old Testament to the end in the New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation, helps us to know Jesus better. And so we're going to take a look from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis to the end of the Bible in Revelation. Now, I promise I'm not going to read everything to you. We just don't have it. But I encourage you that you may want to do that. Maybe in the new year coming up, you'll make a, uh, a goal to read from Genesis to Revelation and see what God has for us and see where we can see Jesus in the midst of that. But we are told today that Jesus is the light of the world. In fact, in John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. But that's not the first place that talks about light. The whole picture of Scripture, as I said, helps us to see Jesus. But we meet light in a number of different places throughout Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1, right there in, in the beginning. And when God is creating all things, we have these days of creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, he says this. Verse 1, 2, and 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was an evening and a morning the first day. Now, hold on to that for a minute, that God created light, and light separated us separates from darkness, and that was the first day that God created. But we go a little bit farther down into verse 14, and God has already had the second day of creation. He's already had the third day of creation, and verse 14 through 16 says, and God said, let there be lights in the sky, in the heavens, to separate the day from the night. 
And let there be signs for the seasons, for the days and the years. And let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The one greater light to rule the day, we would know that as the sun. And the lesser light to rule the night and the stars, we would know that as the moon and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was an evening, and there was a morning, the fourth day. Now, I just want to make, maybe this is kind of for the Bible nerds around, but it's interesting to note that God created light before he created the sun. We don't always think about that, but light was the first thing that God brought into the world. And I think one of the reasons he did that was to show us that his light, the light that Jesus said he was in John chapter 9, was at the beginning of all things. And he wants us to focus on that light, and we continue to focus on that light all the way through Scripture. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, light is where our focus upon because Jesus is that light. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn now to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah says in chapter 9, starting in verse 1, there will be no more gloom for who was in anguish, for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought, about, brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, by the land of the Jordan, beyond the Jordan, and Galilee of the nations. Now get this, in verse 2, And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the Light has shone. In here, Isaiah is pointing a picture to that one which would come to set God's people free. The one who would walk into the darkness of the people and shine and bring joy and to move them from deep darkness into God's glorious light. His light has shone on this, and, and Isaiah is pointing to somebody He's pointing to that one that they would call the Messiah, that one who they would call the anointed one, who would come from God to bring God's people back to God and to establish God's rule and reign through this person. This person we know today as Jesus, that one who came as God's Messiah, the one who was born in the manger, the one who lived his life to be the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, we read, the, re, the restatement of Isaiah's prophecy, starting in verse 12. 
Now, when he had heard that John, that is John the Baptist, John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew, that is Jesus withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Does that ring clear to you? Zebulun and Naphtali, that's what Isaiah said in Isaiah uh, chapter 9. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And those, for those who were dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time, verse 17, and from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see here that prophecy that Isaiah gave hundreds of years before is now being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. The one who came to bring God's light into the world, that world that was incredibly dark, Jesus came to bring light. Sometimes we think that the world we live in is incredibly dark, and it is. There are lots of things that are going contrary to God, contrary to his will and his desire and his design for us. But that Jesus who came into the world that was dark is the same Jesus that shines today. And as we told the children, we are to be the ones who shine because of what Jesus has done for us and through us. In John chapter 8, Jesus makes a declaration. John chapter 8, um, verse, verse 12. And again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus tells us that not only is he the light of the world, but as we follow him, we have his light born in us. That darkness that's in us because of sin, because of disobedience, because of turning our way away from God, that darkness can be brought to light as we trust in the person of Jesus who came for us, who died for us, who rose again for us. That light who is Jesus now can shine in us, break away the darkness that's in us. It's interesting to know, just in a, as a little bit of a side, that Jesus is teaching here in chapter 8 and chapter 9 and chapter 10, and maybe yeah, in chapter 10, and a little bit into, uh, at the end of chapter 10, he goes into uh, the story in chapter 11 of him raising Lazarus from the dead. But in chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, all of this teaching of Jesus is taking place um, in the festival of the tabernacles, the feast of the tabernacles, which usually happens in the fall. And some interesting things take place at the Feast of the Tabernacles. They build these little huts to remind them of their wandering 
in the wilderness. It's a time that they remember the giving of the law of God, that God had spoken to them, and God has a desire for him, them to follow him. At the Feast of Tabernacles, a couple interesting things were done. Is one, a big candelabra was lit. It was lit throughout the temple to create a place, a visual place, that they would hope the Messiah would come to that someday the Messiah would, would be seen and they would light the temple to signify that this is the place they wanted him to come. This is the place that he had been prophesied to come and they wanted to be ready for him. It's in the midst of that candle lighting, it's in the midst of that lit up temple that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You see these, Jesus essentially says, you see these candles all around? They illuminate the temple, but they are not salvation. I am the one who is salvation. I am the one who has been prophesied to come. I am the one who is the light of the world. Not the temple, but Jesus. We'd read later on, if we had the time, we could read that it's in this same period of time that Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If there's a dwelling place for God, it's not in this temple made by human hands, but it's in fact in the person of Jesus. I encourage you to read uh, through those chapters and see how uh, we meet the person of Jesus Chapter 7, Jesus says, um, "Those who, if you're thirsty, come to me, and out of you shall flow living waters. Another thing that they would do during uh, the Feast of Tabernacles was to go down to the pool and pour out, take, draw out water and pour it out of talking about God's blessing. And here again, Jesus says, I am the living water. Jesus over and over again helps them to understand who he is, what he has come to do. In chapter 9, Jesus heals a man blind from birth. And Jesus says in verse 5 that we have quoted earlier, after he uh, gets ready to heal this man who has no light in himself, who is physically living in darkness. Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with his saliva and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And that is the same pool that they drew the water from. And so he went and washed and he came back seeing. Jesus wants you and I to see, to see clearly. And the way we do that is by focusing our attention on the person of Jesus who is the light of the world. 
Now, if you turn back a couple chapters to uh, Matthew, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus is speaking to those following him. He's in what we call the Sermon of the Mount, on the Mount. And in verse 14, he says, you, speaking to those listening to him, you are the light of the world, like we sang today. We are the light of the world, a city, a city set on a hill that can not be hidden. Nor do men put a light, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand like we did today, so that it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, as we shine for Jesus, we do so by doing good works, by caring for those around us, by loving the unlovely. And Jesus says, as we do those types of things, our light will shine and God will get the glory. The end result of our life is that God should get the glory. So God has been dealing in light from the beginning. And he has manifested that light ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has given us the responsibility to be his light to the world, as his light is in us. But the light does not end there. If you take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 22. Excuse me, 21. The second to the last chapter. And go with me to verse 22. And John is seeing now God bringing all things together. He has defeated evil. And now he is creating a new heaven and a new earth. Just like he created the first heaven and the first earth, and we read about in Genesis chapter 1, here God is recreating, making a new heaven, a new set of sky and a new earth for his people to dwell on, those created in his image. And that's what John is seeing in his vision. He is seeing a new heaven and a new earth and a new dwelling place, a new city of Jerusalem where God will dwell. But this city is different. Verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city. Jerusalem was known for the temple. It was the meeting place of God. It's where man would come to hear from God, to offer sacrifices to God, to find their sins atoned for from God. It's where they met with God. 
In the temple, they had the Holy of Holies where it represented the place that God would come and meet with his people. But John says, I saw no temple in the city. For the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. We talked about Jesus being the Lamb of God, and here we see him again. I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God himself and the Lamb. Okay, follow here. In verse 23, it says, And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. Shine on it. Verse, uh, day four of creation is being redone. The city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light. God's very presence is what gives it light. It's like that first day of creation when God said, let there be light, and there was light. For the glory of God gives it light. And the lamp that shines in the city is the lamb. And we heard today that that lamb is a name for Jesus, the one who is called the lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as John the Baptist declared. And we see Jesus is shining here as the lamp. In verse 24, and by its light, the lamp's light, Jesus will the nations walk. And the kings of earth will bring their glory into it. And its gate will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. And they will bring into, into the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter into it. Darkness cannot enter into it. Because the city is light. The very light of God. Nor does anyone what does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who have turned their life over to Jesus, the Lamb of God. Turn their lives over to Jesus, the light of the world. To let Jesus' light shine in them, those will be in the new city of God. Where God's light shines. Where the lamp is Jesus himself. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, we see God's light at work. And that light has found its fulfillment, its ultimate, ultimate purpose in the, purpose, in the person of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? As we walk through Advent, as we walk into a new year, which we hope will be better than the last year. How are we to respond as God's children? How are we to let his light shine through us? Let me give you three things. 
First, we need to praise God for giving us the light. As we saw in Isaiah chapter 9, we walked around, the people walked around in darkness, but God brought light. We were walking around in darkness. Our lives were darkness from the inside out, but Jesus came to shine his light upon us. And as we take Jesus and we receive his gift of life, his light comes to dwell in us. And we, therefore, need to praise God for the light that he gave us. The second thing we can do is we can pray for those who are still in darkness, who need to experience the light of God. And we may know people in our family. We may know neighbors or classmates or co-workers who are still walking around without Jesus. The light of Jesus is not shining in them. Though the light of Jesus is shining around them, they can't see it. And we have the responsibility to pray for those, that their eyes would be open, like the blind man's eyes were opened, that their eyes would be open to see Jesus, the light, and to respond to him. So we praise God for giving us the light. We pray for those who have yet to experience the light, And we need to, with that praying, we need to proclaim Jesus who is the light. We need to let his light shine in us that people will see our good works, our works of mercy, our works of goodness, our works of grace, our works of love, and see that work that we do for other people. And see that light and come to Jesus, to love the unlovely, to care for the uncared for, to offer grace to those people who are downtrodden, mercy to those people who are in grief. That is how we let Jesus' light shine through us. Jesus is the light of the world come to bring us from darkness into the kingdom of light to be those who experience the fullness of God's light and to him let us pray we hope you've enjoyed today's message if you would like to know more about Bethesda Church you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.